0: Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast, a business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone. I am so pleased to have you join me for another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, and today I have with me, Josh Courier. We met in a business mastermind with a bunch of other entrepreneurs, but part of what drew us together is the fact that we're both veterans who worked in the same field. Now, we didn't work with each other, but we do have some people in common, and so it was just another point of conversation. So, Josh is a Navy veteran, father of three, and founder of his company, Courier Marketing. His passion is in helping fellow entrepreneurs grow their businesses and create legacies for their families. Over the last 10 years, he has focused heavily on search engine optimization, and through the opportunity of working with well over 1,000 websites, he has developed his proprietary framework and approach to SEO in particular, several elements that focus on authority-based marketing. So mm. another point of conversation for us. Josh, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Ooh, okay. You wouldn't know this, but that was actually the third time that I tried to read that bio. So it's just one of those days, but now we got through the hard part because the rest of this is not scripted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can we can mess up all we want now.
0: Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. So I always like to start off with kind of a Different question for every guest, especially for this first episode. And so, what I would like you to share is how old you were when you started your first business and what was it?
1: Yeah, for as long as I can remember as a kid, I was finding different ways to make money, whether that was, you know, mowing lawns, doing chores around the neighborhood. I was even, you know, peddling wares wherever I could find them, you know, if people needed them. But when I was 16, when all my friends in high school started getting their cars and were wanting stereo systems, I started learning how to install car audio setups and I went through this process of getting a business license, getting my wholesaler's license. And then I actually opened up my own car audio sales installation business.
0: Oh my goodness. So what happened with that?
1: <laughs> I loved that. I mean, I, there were things I had to learn about doing business, but we did that for my buddy and I and that for two years till we graduated. And then, you know, what, what kind of caused us to go off that course was 9-11 happened. I joined the Navy and you know spent a few years doing that.
0: Okay. Wow. That is so wow. Talk about you know see a need, fill a need.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All of my friends are getting cars and now I can install super awesome. Right. And know? that's actually
1: how I made the money to buy my own car. So
0: fantastic. And then yeah. of course you could do all the, of your own work on your system. Oh yeah.
1: You got out have the best, fantastic. you know?
0: Absolutely. Okay. So you joined the Navy and how long were you in the Navy?
1: Six years. And then I've actually been a reservist since then. So 12 years of reserves, still <laughs> counting. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, you've got this nice beard growing. So is that oh, like one month's growth or what is
1: it? <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks. Every, every month I got to shave it off, get back in uniform. You know, I do my one week in a month.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my husband was a reservist. He hated that. He, he'd grow it out know. and then he'd be like, Oh, now he's got to get rid of it. He was always, you know, so but it keeps
1: it from it. getting too long. Right. Like, yeah. Don't, yeah. I'm don't not sure that he believes in.
0: it can get too long, but thankfully I, I keep it reined in, yeah. you know,
1: convince him otherwise. Yeah. Wives are pretty good about yeah. doing that. You know, <laughs> don't leave us so, to our own devices.
0: Absolutely. So in terms of your company now, Courier Marketing, how did that happen from you know you being in the Navy? Like what was the transition there?
1: So when I when I was getting off of active duty, I was really trying to figure out where I was gonna go and what I was gonna do. I thought about being a financial advisor, I thought about doing another wholesale business selling energy drinks at the time. You know, I, I couldn't settle anything, but I was going to school for marketing. And at the time I had friends, and family who had their own businesses. This is when social media was really blowing up. People were really starting to realize that they needed websites and being technically inclined, you know, as we both are coming from our background. Yeah. I started to dive in there, solve some problems here and there. And I stumbled kind of into search engine optimization and, and what that was about. And because it is and can be very technically focused, Mm-hmm right. With like some problem solving and, you know, you apply some things over here and see results on the other end. I was intrigued. And I just started doing a little bit here, a little bit there, found a passion for it. And, you know, I've been doing that now for over 10 years.
0: That's amazing. Oh yes. That's going to make our next episode really good because, you know, you've watched the transformation. So you've worked with over a thousand websites. So, who is an ideal client for you at this stage in your business?
1: Ideal clients for me, you know, I love working with small businesses. I like medium sized businesses just because those larger projects actually allow me to push my skill set, enables the use and requirement of larger resources. So, mm-hmm. that's always a perk, but it's really the small business owner that I love working with, because I, you know, I see what their vision is for the future. I see what they want to do and that excites me. So if I can step in there and help them do that, you know, that's, that's a win-win. But of course, you know, we're in business, so there's money involved. So typically that's, you know, maybe 10 employees, somewhere in the 500,000, to 2 million range in revenues Mm -hmm. who they really understand the importance of marketing and they want to move beyond what they can do just for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are there any like particular verticals you work in or industries, more B2B, B2C?
1: Home services, mostly. Mm. Right. I used to do a lot of work with dentists, have had lawyers, insurance agencies, financial services as well. The problem with some of those, and we'll talk about these probably later in the episode or in episode two, when it comes to content marketing is some of these industries are actually hindered by compliance and regulations. Right. So there's some different approaches you have to take and it kind of holds the business owner back in some regards because they're hesitant Mm -hmm. to do some of the things that can really boost them up. While we do see their competitors doing these things in the marketplace, there's just uncertainty.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I see that a lot with the financial advisor, the financial space. And unfortunately that hesitancy keeps a lot of them from even doing what they're allowed to do they like they see what they're allowed to do and then they like take like 10 steps back right and, or their company requires them to take 10 steps back or something and and there's just so much gold in those 10 steps right there because oh, there's not sure. a lot of people yeah. in that space
1: and they that that group of people can definitely use authority based marketing yes. right like they maybe maybe they can't do some of the other things. But leveraging authority and building authority status, that can really give them the edge.
0: Absolutely. Especially when, you know, every local networking group you go to, like they probably have a regular attendee who is a financial advisor in that space. You know, it's the same with like home insurance. But the other thing I've noticed too with the home services industries is that a lot of the people who run those companies tend to be a little, technologically adverse because right. they you know they've gotten this far word of mouth they've done like the direct mailing and those are the strategies that they know and so one thing that i'm hoping to see come out of you know kind of this virtual pivot that everybody's kind of had to take is that they get more comfortable with the idea of presenting themselves in the digital space, because there's there's so much to be had there, like so much oh, gold in there definitely. for the company that's willing to step up.
1: Well, so much gold, and as we see more businesses kind of dive into the digital realm, mm-hmm. competition is going to heat up, right? Like the barrier to entry yeah. to getting into business is so low now. Yep. I mean, you could start a business and really just subcontract all your work out. So now you have all these brands locally competing for those same jobs. You mm-hmm. have to find a way to get in there. And if you don't, right, you're going to fall further and further behind.
0: Absolutely. And then looking at the opportunity that digital marketing presents for loyalty mm-hmm. as well, right? Like building the loyalty, but also maintaining it, right? Like you had, like, so for example, I had a company come and repair my, repair my stove and they did a fantastic job fantastic job they were utterly like completely brilliant like great service and very fast and and honest and i really like them but like there was no email after that there was no social media like nothing like so it's like even though i love them i'm like i can't remember you
1: right yeah that's that's the thing too is that these businesses are failing to follow up right to build those relationships like i liken this back to the concept of the point of making a sale is not to have a transaction. The point of making that sale is to earn a customer. Right. Right. Because if they follow up with you and something else ever happens again, who are you going to call? Right. You trust or them. Or somebody now. asks right? for a recommendation. Exactly. Right. But if it goes two, three years from now, they're not going to be in your mind. Mm-mm. Right.
0: Fantastic. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit, let's shift a little bit and give people kind of a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. What are some of the things that you typically do for your clients? Or maybe it might be a better question to ask you when you're onboarding a new client, like what are some of the things that you're assessing and looking for in terms of how you'll develop, you know, your work strategy with them?
1: Right. So, Part of my onboarding, and even before I get that, is really just assessing whether or not I can help them, right? Woo. Some business owners come in and they have a, an idea of what they want, but I, I really have to get the questions asked and the answers that make sense to show them, hey, this is what is going to impact your bottom line, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes a business owner thinks they need something because they're going to bed at night worrying about where that next sale is going to come from, and it just comes top of mind like, oh, I need to be doing social media.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: you might hire somebody to do social media but if you're unaware of how the algorithms work if you're unaware of how copy works it's it's fine to find your you know nephew or niece who is on facebook all the time to do that and you're throwing them 50 bucks a week to make posts for you but if it's not resulting in impact to the bottom line right that that's a surface level approach that's not helping you
0: right right they think they know what they need and they exactly actually right. need something else
1: right so if we so i work with a business owner to assess hey what is that you got going on right? Do you need to get, do you need more leads? Do you need sales processes? Do you need follow-up? Do you need a referral system? Right? Because if we talk about leads as well, that's another issue, right? Business owners will come in and say, hey, we need more leads. Well, tell me how many you're getting. Oh, you know, we get 20, 30 phone calls a week. Well, what happens with those? Well, we might get two or three of those. Well, why not more? Right? Well, you know, the guy yeah, or gal that like works at the front desk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So, that, And that's what I point out to them, like, even if I help you get more, more phone calls or more leads, you have a problem where you're not converting. Right. So let's mm-hmm. look at that.
0: Yeah. And do you have the infrastructure to handle more leads, like to, you know, more phone calls, like
1: for sure. And
0: time, sometimes it could the be just people a simple to answer the phone. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. <laughs> and that sometimes it's just, you know, I'll tell them, Hey, this is where you're losing out, right? This is your opportunity. And all you need to do is this. Now, if you want to go try that, I'll send you some resources, go do that. If that helps awesome. And then if you still want my help after that, come back, and let's have a conversation. Yeah. Right? Because I'm not, I can't, I can't ethically sell you something. If I see that this is not going to help you right now. Right. Because that's not a part about building your legacy.
0: Absolutely. Look at that time back that. to the brand values. I love it. Yeah. No, I mean, but I, I totally get it. I, I did a Facebook post earlier this week, I think it was, and I was talking about the power of no, for business owners, like turning down prospects who aren't a good fit. And that was what I was talking about. I had a call, a strategy call with somebody Tuesday. So I had a call on Tuesday with someone and it was like 15 minutes into the call. And I knew that they weren't a good fit. And better still, I told them that they weren't a good fit. And I told them what I thought that they needed. They didn't need a marketing strategist. I thought that they needed probably a a business operations consultant. And so I talked to this person about that and kind of told them, Hey, like, these are probably some of the things you're looking for. They probably have this specialty or this specialty here in automation, and this is, you know, what you're looking for. And yeah. And then we got off the phone, you know, instead of me walking her through all of my questions, you know, whatever I wanted to ask her, and then trying to present an offer to her that wasn't a good fit at all. Like, right. That's that's not I told somebody else, it's not awkward like a wet puzzle piece. It's like a wet puzzle piece in the wrong puzzle. Like it's just bad fit.
1: For sure. Yeah. Sometimes people ask me what like, what do I sell? And it's like, well, it depends. Nothing is for sale until we identify the need. Right? You can't. Right. Just, there's nothing that I'm gonna sell you. Like you can't buy anything until we figure out that it's yeah. Good for yeah, you. Yeah,
0: like I'm not even gonna present it to you. And there's there's so much power in that because that means the next call that I get on, if that person is a good fit and I choose to, Hey, let's have this conversation about how I can help you. That is a genuine move. Right. And I think you, you can't really know that about yourself until you actually have turned someone down, right? Like, you know, it conceptually, but when you actually go through that exercise of talking to somebody who turns out to be a bad fit and you're like, Hey, actually, this isn't really a good move for you. Like that, that's a lot of power for you, and then of course there's a lot of trust for them on the other end.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. And I, I have worked with clients that I probably should not have been working with. A little ways, little ways into it, I learned things that I probably should have dug in about earlier on, right? But you know that it's the cost of doing business at this point, right? Learning lessons, refining your process, getting better at what you do, so that the next interaction you have is better. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's good for you. It's good for them. And yeah, I mean, working with clients who are bad fit, it drains a lot of energy. It drains a lot of other resources in addition to it, not going as smoothly as like an interaction with a client who is a better fit.
1: Right. Yeah. And you're definitely not creating a raving fan right there.
0: Absolutely. Like, so not only really you stressed out and like frustrated, but like, you know, like, even if you do, okay, like this is not going to be the person who's going to do a video testimonial for you. And they're going to be like, freak it out because you're so great. Like, that's not what's going to happen for you. Right. So I wanted to close out this episode with something that you mentioned before. So you were actually working on a marketing degree and. What I'd like to ask you is how important that degree is to your business now as a person who owns uh, a company in the marketing yeah. vertical.
1: So I think there is a lot of value in education and training, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was in the somewhat unique situation where the military was, you know, earned my GI bill, military was paying for my education. But I noticed, especially within the, the, the digital marketing world in my senior year, I had classmates graduating who did not know what SEO was, right? Who did not understand the power of copywriting? Who did not understand really digital marketing for small businesses? And it's it's fine to go through a class where you analyze and look at past Super Bowl commercials, right? Because this is like uh, big league advertising. I did that, but in a practical realm, right? Like. I actually, I had the opportunity in some of my classes to present the things that I was working on for my side clients at the time, Mm -hmm. but I noticed going through it that I, you know, touching back on this concept of like a raising, raving fan, I wouldn't, if somebody told me right now that they want to go to school for marketing, I really would, you know, I would encourage them to pursue either some certificate programs. There's plenty of courses you can go online, even starting with books, right? Those, Those are all great places to start. There are other degrees that are more applicable where I think it's, you know, more beneficial. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, that, I do not think that. That makes a lot that, of sense. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think a, a degree is required for a lot of business owners.
0: No. And I, so I asked because I was also, I pursued for a time, a marketing degree. My problem is I've been in pursuit of a degree for like, uh, that's depressing. It's been like eight years or something.
1: Well, what you know, what what do you want your degree for?
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And 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 so what would happen is, is I started it, and then I had a kid, so then I would pause for like six months, right? Because like I need the, I I would pause for like nine more months. I would pause in my third trimester and then start again when the kid was like six months old. And so I've had, by a lot, I've had, I have three biological children and one adopted. And so I paused that many times. Then it was like, oh, then I got out of the army. So then I paused again because I'm like, now I'm a stay-at-home mom about to have a baby. And then, so I changed my major like five times. Mm. It's been marketing twice. like, <laughs> But marketing, the classes were boring to me because I'm like, this isn't even right. Like I had, I had a, I had a teacher I argued with, like, and I had to contact like my advisor and be like, right. hey, so this is actually wrong. Like, and they're marking off points because I didn't follow the book, but the book is wrong or at least not 100% right. Like it's not dead wrong, but I'm also right. Right. Very weird scenario there.
1: No, I mean, I had one class where we spent half of the semester learning HTML and CSS to put websites together, which is honestly, it's, if you do websites, you should know HTML and CSS. It's a great skill set yeah. to have, but you're training young professionals who are going to go into the marketplace you're giving them half a semester of that and then nothing else for the next year they're not going to know that when they come back to it further the majority of the marketing world right now is not hard coding websites using html and css right you're using Mm -hmm. cms's like duda or wordpress or one that's up and coming i think really webflow
0: yeah yeah for sure and and so they probably be better better served at least you know maybe learning more about those but i think it's the the fact that institutional education is incredibly yeah. inflexible. Like I understand right. the rigors and the processes that they go through to ensure the efficacy of their curriculum, but by the time it gets through that process, I mean, and and we went through it, right. You know, serving right. and then being, you know, in the space that we were in the military had requirements for what we did, but by the time those requirements trickled down, it was like two years later and the requirements were completely different by the time we got there.
1: Yeah. And outdated and, you know, especially with SEO, right? Like if if we if you and I sat down, we were going to put a course together on authority marketing and I had to put in an aspect of SEO, yeah. right? There's fundamentals that will continue to apply, right? If you, if you are a real fan follower student of marketing, right? There's principles that don't change, but teachable aspects that could completely change in the next two to three months if you have a disruptive technology come into the space or, you know, Google, who is the primary driver of search engine optimization decides that they want to change something or weigh something else differently, right? You could have an abrupt stop to things that people are doing, right? So that certain aspects can be no longer applicable.
0: Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. And I think that's why we're seeing so many people pop up in the marketing space as entrepreneurs, because I can tell you as, you know, somebody who's has their own portfolio of clients who's got, you know, documented results and you know I've got my own raving fans. I am not technically qualified for most of the jobs listed on LinkedIn in the marketing space because oh. they want a degree in marketing and I don't have one. And so like that, that automatically disqualifies me, but those same companies if they had a need and we were having a conversation, they would hire me as a consultant.
1: I actually have a good story about that. So back in 2013, okay. I applied for this job to do for it, to be the SEO specialist slash marketing specialist at a software as a service company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I applied. I later got a denial because I did not have my bachelor's degree yet. I was still going to school. Uh-huh. Six months later, they called me. Well, you are still the most qualified applicant in every other regard. So we will make a company exception to hire you so long as you give us a committed statement that you will continue going to school to pursue your bachelor's degree which i did so then i became the only person at this company without a degree but the most qualified person to do the job that they needed to do wow wow so i you know i think the work i think the workplace is going to change as well in that regard for like major companies i think even google is moving away from degree requirements
0: you know i think i remember hearing that too I think it's it's incredibly valuable for two audiences the people who are in marketing maybe thinking of getting their marketing degree so it's valuable for them but I think it's also more importantly with the audience that normally listens or reads the blog who would be looking for hiring you know a marketing person or you know bringing somebody on when your requirements for consultants and you know agencies are completely different than your requirements for your own employees like you could be blocking yourself in terms of hiring the best talent possible You know, especially when we consider the fact that education is often like formal higher education is often a barrier, right, to some of your lower income, you know, socioeconomic disadvantaged areas, but it doesn't take away from that person's skill set. So I think that's probably incredibly valuable. And that's something I see a lot, like people coming out, you know, especially now we're about to go into, well, we're already well into fall, but this last summer, I've had some people contact me who were about to graduate. You know, and they had their marketing degree, and you know, I'm in the American Marketing Association here in for Baltimore, and yeah, and they're like, hey, so you know, how do I find a job? Oh, blah, like it's hard, and you know, it's just those are some hard truths there. Like, I'm not sure how useful your marketing degree is going to be when compared with some of the like freelance talent that you can find. Like, of course, there's bad freelancers, but right, but in terms of like you know, finding someone like me. And then like, wait, you didn't even get a degree? Like, no, I just I just stuck my flag in this hill and I claimed it as my own. Like, this is how right, this yeah.
1: happened. The, the degree used to be that thing that got you in the door, right? Yeah. But now if you've, if you've made the hurdles and you know how to get in the door otherwise, right, you just you're leaps and bounds ahead of somebody who spent four years trying just to get a ticket.
0: Yeah. Right? Oh my, how the tables have turned. Yeah. No, no I shouldn't say it like
1: that. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, There's value in grind, like, you know, everybody starts in the same place, right? Like knowing a little, having some ideas, reading a little, having a passion, pursuing it. There's a little bit of time you got to spend grinding.
0: It's just a different type of grind. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So that is, that is our first episode. Josh is a completely fascinating person and I very much encourage you to follow him, connect with him on LinkedIn. And our next episode, we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic, the title of which, and I'm not even going to tell you which direction we're going to go in, but the title of our next episode is, is your agency setting you up for failure? And we're going to be digging more into a search engine optimization, but probably not in the way that you think. So be sure to join us. And Josh, thank you so much for this first episode. And I can't wait for everyone to hear the next one.
1: Oh, definitely. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Please make sure that you've subscribed and do be sure to leave us a review if you found this episode at all helpful. And if you think it would be a great resource for someone else, be sure to share it with them. See you next time.